Hey you guys, this is Books and Crimes. I'm Mimi with my co-host JB. Um, so we do have a little bit of announcements. Um, I do want to remind you guys that we're not doing the Instagram and um, YouTube pages until we can come up with better equipment to be able to make this progress work faster for you guys because it's kind of bullcrap that it almost takes me two hours just to be able to upload a video to youtube and yeah with life it's kind of hard to, to try to get everything going we do have the facebook still um and we're going to drop our episodes to once to twice a month uh, so that way you guys still get your episodes, but at the same time, life is starting to take over again, so we're having to deal with that too, so just bear with us. Um, that's basically it, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the story, and it's kind of long, I'm sorry. So this is about Gerald and Charlene <laughs> Gallego. Gilego? Gilego? Galego? Oh, I don't even know. Galego? Okay. Yeah, I think I had this story. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys I'm sorry because I had this story written up like two, three weeks ago, but life kind of like took over. So um, I done forgot how to pronounce these words and everything, these names and all that. So apologies. It is what it is. Anyways, this is about Gerald and Charlene Galego. And they were considered as the sex slave killers between September 11th, 1978 to November 2nd, 1980. Mm. They took up to 10 lives. Um, before we actually jump into the victims, we're going to go back into Charlene and Gerald's childhood up until when they met each other. Now, a lot of this story is basically... Um, more on Gerald, but I want to start off with Charlene because I'm just going to go ahead and say this now. Charlene tries to seem like she's a victim, and yes, she's still alive, and yes, she's still kicking, but my opinion is my opinion, and I'm sorry, she is not is what she's trying to make it seem to be what she is. She's not a victim, in my opinion. Let me say that. Anyways, sorry, Charlene, if you're listening to this. <laughs> just my opinion. Um, Charlene was born October 19th, 1956 to Mercedes and Charles Williams. She was the only child and she was extremely spoiled completely to the max. Um, her mom was a stay at home mom and her dad actually worked his way up from being a butcher and like a little, you know, shop on the corner all the way up to being a high level executive executive there you go wow. <laughs> um in a company in a competing company for thousands thousands of stores across the u.s wow that's impressive yeah um charlene was a very extremely shy child and she was she had blue eyes she was blonde-headed and she was under five feet um I don't know why that that popped up in a lot of shit, so I figured I would just put that in there too. <laughs> I don't know why that matters, but it does. I guess. 
Yeah, she was. Uh, Charlene was great at music, and she wanted to go to Juliet's Art of Music. She was very loving. She was very loving at home, and when she got to high school, that's when she started actually doing drugs, getting into sex. Her grades started dropping, and she started drug, uh, blah, struggling just to be able to make her grades meet and ends meet for her to be able to graduate. Um, but even though she barely scraped high school for graduation, daddy gave her what she wanted and he didn't want her to be depressed. So he went and bought her a store inside the mall. He bought, you know, like the area. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and she, <laughs> she named the store Dingling. <laughs> the dingling shop uh where she sold little odds and ends like flower plots knickknacks things like that um he bought her an oldsmobile and he actually put her in a one bedroom one bath apartment he gave her a huge allowance every month to be able to keep up with her shopping problem wow yeah but within a year, she ended up giving up the managing the managing on her own store, and it eventually went under. Charlene was married uh, two times before she actually met Gerald. Her first husband was a soldier that she married when she was only 18 years old, and his name was Rick. Rick actually got sent to war, and he would write Charlene every single day. But um, this is in 1975, I believe. But he actually never got any response back from her. So he actually had to have his mom go to the courthouse and file for a divorce between them two. Wow. Because she would not even respond. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, in 1976, she went, she went with an off and on high school boyfriend. Or she got with a high school off and on high school boyfriend Elliot. Ellis said that they did not work because Charlene had chronic bronchitis. She was extremely suicidal. Um, he was he had epileptic seizures and they both kept doing PCP and acid and on top of it her parents were just way too involved in the relationship. Um, so in 1977 they actually divorced. And that's basically her. Uh, Gerald Gallego, Gallego Jr. Uh, was born July 17th, 1946 to a mother, to, um, yeah, to a mother, to his mother, Lorena and Gerald Gallego Sr. He did not have um, a very good childhood. He actually never met his dad when he was nine years old. He found out that his dad was killed on death row for the murder of a police officer. And I guess uh, Gerald Senior was in, um, he was already in jail at the time and him and two other people tried to escape during um, being in prison. And when they tried to escape, his dad actually ended up killing an officer in the process. So that's why he ended up getting oh, um, death. And Gerald Senior Senior was actually the first inmate to receive the gas chamber in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was said that it was said to be a batcher job, a botched 
Batch, Botch, Botch, Botch Job. Um, so they said that the gases didn't flow because this is the very first testing that they ever had. Like they didn't even test it; they just put him in there and just oh like God. this is what it is. Um, I guess the gases didn't release through the chamber like it was supposed to. And they said for about forty-five minutes he was basically coughing and choking. And he went and, like, you know, he went pass out. He went and die or nothing like that because the gases went and releasing like they were supposed to. So they finally figured out what was going on and they got the gases going right. And that's when they tried to say that he went peacefully. Nah, he suffered. Yeah. <laughs> um, after his father's death, his mother actually became a sex worker and she remarried twice. Joe Jr. did not get along with any of his stepfathers. And as an adult, Gerald, I'm sorry, when Gerald ended up growing up to an adult, he would he came out to be 5'7", and he had dark hair and extremely dark eyes. Oh, he's, a, he's tiny. Yes. He was actually short and fat, too, to the point where, like, his neck was short and fat, so it looked like he really didn't have a neck. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the joke is I don't want to say right now. Um <laughs> It's not because I'm trying to be mean, but I literally, I mean, kind of, but I went to a school with the lady that literally had no neck and it was like, you know, anyways, we're not going to go there because pretty sure that lady's passed away and I don't want to like make fun of the dead. So like that, like I knew that lady personally. <laughs> um, uh, so his stepdads were abusive towards him and his mom and her friends were from the sex working, you know, company or whatever she did, um, were extremely mean to him also. And he was, I believe he was also the only child. Um, at the age of six, he had already had criminal charges of running away. Oh age of six. Oh my god. That's younger than my oldest. <laughs> um he had charges of breaking and rob breaking ah breaking in, robbing, sex offenses, running away. This was at six? Yes. Um oh my god. Yeah, I know. At the age of twelve, he was on probation for robbery and breaking in and sexual behavior with a six year old girl who he was sent to an all boys home for because you know he sexually abused the little girl um so he was sent to an all boys home and uh i'm sorry in 1959 for about two years when he got out that's when he met his half brother that's when the siblings come in um david hunt and his old cellmate oh nope i'm sorry this is this, the old cellmate is a different charge that they got into prior into farther in his life. That's my little notes. I'm sorry. Um, by the end of 1961, Gerald was back into jail <coughs> for armed robbery. In 1963, he was paroled and enrolled into a high school, but halfway through, he began to fail all of his classes and it just got up to the point where he would just like walk out of school at any time whenever he just felt like he wanted to go he would leave wow <laughs> he eventually dropped out and his teacher said that he had no motivation and he would always tell them that they shouldn't tell him what to do he clearly gave no fuck yeah he really didn't 
Uh, I lost my spot. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I looked away. Um, from high school up to his adulthood, he and his half-brother David would go on to selling cars, robbing liquor stores, and then they would ditch the cars so that way they could go party with their friends. In 1969, Gerald, Gerald and David went to go rob a hotel room, but when they showed up, the police actually busted in at the same time, so they ended up going to jail. And this is about the time where they actually escaped uh, or tried to escape. Anyways, they met up out of jail, something like that, with his uh, uh, old inmate, roommate, person, people, wonky, okay. cellmate, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they call <laughs> Yeah, that's my bunkie. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little weird for guys to say that in prison and chill. <laughs> but, I mean, as a woman, that's what you would call it, right? I don't know what you call it. What you call a bunkie? Like, is that a camp? <laughs> I've heard, like, bunk mate. But not bunkie. Oh, I always heard a bunkie. Like, that's my bunkie. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, so, oh, okay, so there's, there, in the notes it says, so him and the, in his little, uh, roommate that was in jail, when they met up outside <laughs> of jail, they went to go rob the hotel, and they end up getting captured. Um, and then they were sent back to jail four days later. But... By the time that Gerald had met Charlene, he was already arrested 23 times. Oh my gosh. That's that's a lot. He was also married six times. Seven times if you want to count the one woman that he married twice. Before Charlene, he was married at least five times. Um, his first marriage was when he was 16 years old and the lady was 21. They got married in 1963 and in 1964, they had their first child, a little girl named Krista. Not too long after being married, the abuse began. began. Um, when he decided to bash her hand in with a hammer. Oh my God. Yeah. She now mind you, he's 16 and she's 21 and he bashed her fucking hand in with a hammer. Um, she decided to file a divorce, and they end up having a, a like really bad, nasty um, custody battle with their daughter. But for some reason, even though he was only 16 and she was 21, he won full custody. Really? I'm shocked by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as soon as Krista was in his care, he immediately sent her to her to his mom so that his mom could raise her. You know, the woman that basically fucking abuse you you're gonna send your kids there for them to be raised like if you weren't gonna raise your own kid why not leave like that's just to be nasty right yeah now. that that's exactly what it was because you know like he knew that she was in good hands but that's the only way he could hurt her so um his second marriage actually took place in 1966 and the wife was 24 years old but she divorced him 26 days after the marriage because he was chasing her through the house with a butcher knife screaming that he was going to slit her throat. What the fuck? 1967, he got married his third time. One month into the marriage, the, be the beatings began and she ended up divorcing him. 
1969, he married lady number four. Were she they was, not, like, going out? Were they just, like, he met her at a store, like, hey, let's get I'm married. trying to tell. Okay. Well, at the times, because, like, I listen to stories of, like, when my Nana and them were younger. And because this is, like, in the 1950s and 60s and stuff, I feel like it might have been, like, he put on a role like most guys do. They put on a role to, like, like oh, oh, my God, you're amazing. And because at that time, you had to be married to be able to leave the household or your parents wouldn't let you leave. So it was probably like, oh my God, yeah, he asked me to marry him. I want to get out of this house because my parents make me work and they, you know, they're abusive or mean or whatever. So if I hurry up and, you know, marry him, I can hurry up and get out and then I'll have this best life. And then with the month, within, you know, mm-hmm. shit goes downhill. Um, That's the only thing that was coming to my mind because when my Nana was telling me, you know, about how they grew up and stuff like that, that's basically what my family did growing up was like, oh my God, this is the best man. Let me hurry up and get out of this, you know, fucked up family to try to go to something better. And I said, it was not better. Um, Nineteen sixty-seven, he got married his third time. One month into the marriage, the be- the beatings began, and she divorced him. What throws me off though is like every other year he's getting married. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> nineteen sixty-nine, he married lady number four. She was only nineteen, and she already was, or she ended up becoming pregnant. Um, that's when the abuse started. That's when she left. There is still no proof till this day that the child that she was pregnant with was either his or someone else's. 1974, Gerald married wife number five. They had a small ceremony and the priest actually said that he remembered a little girl named Krista. That was the flower girl. I'm sorry. But she was actually introduced as his little sister and not his daughter. In 1975, his parole officer, because by this time, like all these years, he was out on parole from when he escaped out of jail or got out of jail, whatever. Uh, His parole officers told the courts that he would be able to be rehabilitated and he seemed to be fine with no threats towards others or nothing like that. Mind you, he's on parole and he already went through five fucking marriages where he tried to that fucking to kill like, these women. That has to come up. At some I know. Point. And they're still like, yeah, he's There's like kids a involved and everything else. Yeah, he, he's good. We'll, we'll just let him go. You know, he can go into the world. Um, yeah, my notes said, what the fuck? That PO should feel down right now. <laughs> <laughs> or feel like, damn, like, Damn, man, if I would have never let him off, he wouldn't went on and killing other people. Um, so I think it was for her second, 22nd, yeah, for Charlene's second birthday, she went into a poker club. <laughs> Damn, Charlene, already two years old, and you're in the fucking club. Um, Charlene, on her 22nd birthday, she was in the poker casino club where she actually met Gerald. It was one month Later, Charlene has Gerald actually living with her in that apartment that her daddy is paying for. Um, In just a little period of living in time, the abuse started, but Charlene tried to say that she was too scared to leave. Really? Because five other women had the fucking balls to get up and fucking leave, especially back in the day when that was looked down upon. 
you were not allowed to leave that man for any reason in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, you just didn't do that. And this woman's just like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm going to stay. But yet the other ones didn't fucking yeah. stay. Five left. I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Um, sorry, Charlene, but this is my opinion. You're not a victim, bitch. Okay. Anyways, one day, Gerald um, brings a teenage homegirl. A teen, whoa, brings a teen girl home and ends up even ends up making them have a threesome. So I read on one thing and I heard in a couple of the little um things that I was listening to, they said that he brought the underage girl home and made like he didn't make her have a threesome, but he said he wanted a threesome, and her thing was like she always wanted to felt like she was empowered over a woman being like you know raped and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but then i seen a lot of things where she was like she brought her home and when he came home he caught them in the bed and he hated gays to the point where he threw the girl out the window yeah and he beat the shit out of her he separated that like real fucking quick like one she was a runaway two she's underage and three he didn't believe in same sex. So I don't really know too much right there. Cause like I said, I, it was back and forth on a lot of things. Yeah. I I come across that sometimes where they, they come, they come, they come (laughs) contradict each other. So you're like, eh, I don't really know. That's why I like try to throw it in there at the same time. Cause I'm like, I don't know which one to believe. Cause it's like, if it's one story out of like 10, okay. That one's a little iffy, but if I read 10 and five and five, is basically back and forth. It's like, okay, let me go ahead and just say which one I heard and I read. Um, So yeah, he actually threw her out and he made the teen leave. Um, We're going to take a little break for our little sponsor and we'll come right back. Okay, so a few months later, his daughter came to stay with him. Or maybe she was already back and forth. There again, the stories were back and forth with each other. Um, So did he eventually tell people that was his daughter? Or did people believe that was his sister? I think it was just for the wedding. Oh, okay. That made it seem like it was his sister. Because everything that I listened on, I read on, all that, um, through the whole thing, everybody knew, like, Crystal was his daughter. Okay. She actually came to stay with him and she brought one of her friends named Angie. Angie got to stay with them for a little while because her parents were actually out of town. And Gerald ends up sexually abusing both of them. Um, He had been doing sexual abuse um, to Krista since she was actually six years old. Though That's why I believe she was actually already back and forth at his house. I don't think she was a permanent stay at his house, but she definitely um, was back and forth since he was abusing her at the age of like six. And I think she was like, what did I say, 12? That's horrible. Okay, I don't, it didn't say how old she was at this time. Well, maybe if you did the math, you would know, but I didn't do the math, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um. My bad. 
It is said, though, that Charlene was present in the house, but there was no actual proof that she was in the room while he did this or um, if she even knew about it because, of course, she's not going to say, oh, yeah, I knew he did this. So, because she's the victim, remember? So, um, yeah, but, like, you couldn't stop your husband from doing stuff to his daughter, like... Yeah, I mean, you live in a one-bedroom, one-bath one fucking apartment. It's not like he's upstairs and she's upstairs and you think they're both in their own rooms, whatever the situation is. If you both are in the bathroom or both in the bedroom, common sense. Like, hello, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you know... Yeah, she should have stopped Um... All right, so Charlene says that she was scared of him and she just wanted to do whatever he said. Um, in my little notes, I said that I think she personally enjoyed it and she involved herself more into everything that I'm fixing to get into more than she wanted to admit it. Um, but that's my opinion. Um, anything, she wanted to do anything to make him happy. So one day... He tells her, you know what will make me happy? And she said, what? He said, two sex slaves. So Charlene agreed to find him two sex slaves. By this time, Charlene's daddy actually bought her a 73 Dodge van before everything started going down. Um, and this is what they would use a lot of times to catch their victims or take their victims, kidnap their victims, whatever you want to call it. In September of 1978 in California, Charlene and Gerald spotted their first two victims, 17-year-old Ronna Scheffner, Sheff, Scheffler. Yeah, I'd say Scheffler. And 16-year-old Kippy Watt. Uh, they were at the mall and Charlene walked up to them and asked them if they wanted to go smoke some weed. So they agreed. They went to the van. And as soon as they got into the van, that's when they were met with a 25 caliber pistol in their face. Oh, my gosh. He told them that um, he tied them up and told Charlene to just drive. She went to a secluded area. He took the two girls out in to a wooded area and told Charlene to stay at the van. A few hours later, he came back and he gave Charlene this look is what she tries to say. He gave her a look that told her, don't ask no shit and you won't get no shit. Charlene told, I'm sorry, Gerald told Charlene to take the van home, meet up with a friend, relative, something to get an alibi and then bring the old, the Oldsmobile because they had two cars at the time. They had the Oldsmobile thingy in the and then the van and come back and get him. So Charlene went to a friend's house for about an hour, and then that's when she told a friend that, like, hey, like, the van's really messing up. I really should get it home before, you know, it gets too dark or whatever, just in case it breaks down, blah, blah, blah. She then returned to see uh, Gerald coming out of the woods with a shovel and a hammer, and he had also sexually both, uh, sexually assaulted both of them. Oh my goodness. Mind you, this was Father's Day. <gasps> of 1978 so imagine those two girls were probably in the mall like probably shopping not only for themselves but trying to find dad something for their you know yeah. their two friends you know they're young and yeah father's day they end up getting this shit done to them but my thing is he said he wanted sex workers you got a, a 17 and 16 year old from a mall so they were probably not even that 
yeah, they weren't even close to and especially at the time. Now I guarantee you they were not like anything close to what he wanted. Um, July of 78, Charlene found out that she was pregnant. Gerald became extremely pissed. That's nice. So September 11th, 1978, two migrants. Um, I don't really understand why every single thing that I listened and read on onto this story has to point out the type of people that found the bodies, but I put it in there because apparently it's Some supposed point. to mean something. Okay. But um, September 11, 1978, two migrant workers were, um, you know, doing their thing in the fields or whatever, and they found the bodies of the two girls. Um, he also made Charlene get an abortion in September of 1978 because he did not want a child with her. At least the, the two girls' bodies were found and it wasn't like one of those ones where like you don't know what happened to them and they were missing for like years and years and years. But I agree. But when we get to the end of the story, it's kind of fucked up. And I don't agree when they had already found the bodies of why... Basically, I'll go ahead and tell you now. Okay. Basically, he doesn't get charged for neither her or him that I could find got charged for those two girls' murders. Wow. Their kids basically just went like, yeah, they were murdered, and that's basically it. Like, See, nobody I, got charged with it. Like, I would want, if, if those are my kids, I would want Oh, yeah, I would have fought to the day of my death. Like, I, even though it would never bring them back, give me justice. Give yeah. me, give me something. Um... September 27th, uh, 1978, Christopher charges against her dad for incest, sodomy, oral com compulsion, com copulation, copulation. I don't know. I've never heard of that. I guess basically what I took it as is like forced oral sex type thing um, and unlawful intercourse. So she went hard at her dad. Good for her. Um, September 30th, 1978, Gerald and Charlene actually got married. And by this time, he, because through all of this, even he though he was with married. Charlene, the fifth wife, she just straight up left. She never divorced him. She just got the fuck out of there. Good for her. But. Um, like, why would you marry him at this point? Like, you know all this exact because she's trying to stay on oh, just so scared whatever bitch you ain't scared i feel like she actually enjoyed more of it than what she tried to put it out to be um so after so september 20th is when his daughter filed the charges against him for incest and all that and then september 30th that's when um, him and Charlene actually get married. And his, him and his uh, last wife are finally divorced at this time. And because of the charges, this is when Gerald thought was like, oh, well, let me go ahead and hurry up and get married. And then we can hurry up and leave the state. So that's what they tried to do. Um, December of 1978, they were in Texas and Gerald changed his name to Stephen Fields. They laid low for... A, a little while. Um, June 1979, Gerald went, he wanted more sex slaves. So they went to a fair 
in Reno, Nevada, and found 14-year-old Brenda Jude and 13-year-old Sandra Colley. Sandra Colley. It could be Sandra or Sandra. I don't know. Um, Charlene went up to them, asked the girls that they wanted to make some money by putting handbills on the cars, and the girls agreed. So I guess it's like kind of like tickets, like, hey, oh, you was, owe this for like parking like, here I, I, I after a certain time. I didn't really Google to see what the fuck handbills were at this time of like, you know, in the yeah. 70s, but that's what came to my mind was like, you know, how like in the cities the police write little tickets, like, hey, <laughs> you're one minute after your parking. Like, <laughs> that's what came to my mind. Um, he then once. Once again, showed the girls his gun as soon as they got in the back of the van. Um, he then had Charlene drive around as he made the girls perform oral sex on each other. And then he sexually assaulted them for hours. The whole time Charlene's driving around. You mean to tell me that you couldn't find, you couldn't just pop up the fucking police department? You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> I'm sorry. If a guy is like doing something like that in the back, he's like just driving around. Oh, I'm sorry. GPS brought me here to the police department. Guess what, guys? Look what he's doing in the back. You don't think them girls are gonna fucking tell him? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, those poor kids. I know. He uh, he then had Charlene go to the desert in Reno, Nevada, where he took a shovel and a hammer and he beat them to death. In oh September, God, I know. In September of 1979, Gerald and Charlene moved back to Sacramento, Sacramento, California, and he kept going by, or they kept going by, Mister and Miss Fields, Stephen. Um, Gerald got a job as a bartender, and he actually met a woman named Patty, who he eventually got pregnant. Not sure what happened about that baby because there's absolutely no information that I could find on Patty. Um, April 24th, 1980, he woke Charlene up dead out of her sleep, told her that he wanted two more sex slaves. So they set out to find some sex slaves. And that's when he actually spotted Karen Twiggs and Stacy Ann leaving a bookstore. Um, I did not write down their years. They're, um, I'm sorry, they're years, they're ages. I know more closer to the end of this this thing, they get older, so I'm going to assume they're about 17 and younger. Okay. Uh, they were leaving a bookstore. Charlene approached the girls and asked them that they wanted to smoke weed, and they were like, uh, duh. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't say duh, but that's what I put in my notes. <laughs> um... As they entered the van, Gerald was pointing a three, hmm, wow, yeah, a three seventy five Magnum at them, and he had Charlene drive to a wooded area where he took the girls one by one into the woods. He sexually assaulted them, and then he used a hammer and a shovel to kill them. This time, though, supposedly he made Charlene come to the van or come to the grave sites and look at the graves, and that's when she says she tried. She tried to tell him that she's seen one of them moving. And that they could try to save him, but Gerald told her that they were completely dead. July 20th, 1980. Um, some people... I'm pretty sure this is another area where they... Because I put some people, and I'm pretty sure they try to put in the... um, What, what type were? of people were, like, 
whatever. Um, anyways, but they were like out there doing a picnic type thing in the woods and they actually seen a, a, a crowd of like coyotes or a pack of coyotes. When they walked up on the coyotes, they, you know, they got them to show away and they seen that the coyotes were actually eating the girls' bodies. And in 1980, Charlene ended up coming pregnant again, and Gerald was pissed, of course. So in June of 1880, Gerald and Charlene got remarried, but they got remarried as Stephen, um, Mr. and Miss Stephen Fields. That's how you say that, right? F-E-I-L-S, Fields? I think so. Because, I mean, if it was Files, it would be F-I-L-E-S, right? Yeah. Well, they're going by feel, so <laughs> my story. <laughs> um, June 7th, 1980, Gerald spotted 21-year-old uh, Linda Aguilera, who was hitchhiking. And she was so freaking excited, as I try to say, for, or I'm sorry, happy, for her to be able to get a ride. But when she got in, Gerald had pointed the 375, wow, the 357 in her face. He raped her. He beat her in the head with a rock. He then strangled her and buried her, but she actually survived all that. What actually oh killed gosh. Linda was that she went into a panic attack and she actually died from suffocation from the sand on the beach. Oh, she couldn't, she couldn't get out. She yeah. freaked the fuck out and she couldn't get out. Um, she ended up going into a panic attack and she, yeah, she was four months pregnant. Mm. Uh, June 22nd, 1980, beach walkers there again. They had, I think it was like European or something. Like, I don't he know. must be burying these, them very shallow. He just tossed them off. Like he really didn't fucking care. Oh. Um, beach walkers found her body. By the time they found her body, though, she was extremely decomposed um july 17th 1980 34 year old virginia mockle machel mckell mckell that was my third choice but i was gonna wait for you to say because i didn't want to sound stupid trying to say that <laughs> even though it literally looks like mckell <laughs> um i could be mispronouncing it too so I don't know. I'm the worst at pronouncing anything, so I, that's why I always ask for your opinion first. Um, she was actually walking home from a bar where she worked at. She took a ride from Joan and Charlene, knowing them because she served them drinks a, a lot. Like they were, like they got so comfortable to the point that they went to somewhere they always went to hang out, and they took one of the fucking bartenders that always gave them fucking shit drinks. Um, he raped her for hours. She eventually begged him to just kill her, so he strangled her. He then dumped her body into a lake. October 3rd, 1980, some fishermen found her body. November, I, I feel bad the way I read this shit, because it's like, so they found their body. Anyway, so next to the next month. Like. <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Just, I know. Uh. Um, November 1st, 1980, Gerald told Charlene that he had that feeling and she didn't even question it. So, cause she already knew what he meant. So November 2nd, 1980, Gerald saw 22 year old Craig Miller and his fiance, 21 year old Mary Elizabeth. They were standing off on the side of the road in front of Craig's frater 
I always want to call it a fraternity house. Is that how you say it? Fraternity? For, for like you know, like capital. Yeah, those are, those are um, yeah, fraternity. Fraternity. Is that the same thing? Like, like a fraternity? House. No, that's so it's fraternity, like a frat house, and yeah. then it's fraternity, like if you're pregnant. Am I saying those right? Oh, okay, no, so like, can we just what is it called? Like a cap house, kappa house? What is it? We just can call it a frat house. Frat house. There you go. Okay, we'll call it a frat house. So they were hanging out in front of the frat house. Um, they were just talking. Gerald pulled up and pointed a 25 caliber pistol at them, and he made them get in the car. His um, Craig's friends actually seen all this happen, but they didn't see him like point the gun. They just oh, seen okay. them get in the car. And they thought it was kind of weird how they got in the car. So they actually memorized the license plate. Oh, good for them. Yeah. The description of the Gerald movie. and everything, the car, all that. Oh, good for Yes. Good for <laughs> Even And that's what made me excited about this situation right here. Because, like, it's a frat house. You know them guys don't care about nothing. Like, they're all about, like, yeah, let's drink. Let's party. They don't pay attention to nothing most of the time. So, for them to be like, listen, we're going to look out for each other that type of way. Love it. Mm. Um, they didn't see the gun, so they didn't think too much about it. They did get his information. Uh, Gerald then took them to a secluded area. He made Craig get out of the car. As soon as he got out of the car and he started walking to the back of the car, he shot him in the head. <gasps> when Craig fell to the ground, Gerald shot him um, two more times in the back of the head to make sure like he was actually dead, dead. And then he took Mary to the back. He had, or I'm sorry, yeah, he put Mary in the car, or kept Mary in the car, and then took her back to his in um, Charlene's apartment that Charlene's daddy pays for. Um, he then raped her for hours and had Charlene drive to a secluded area and shot Mary three times in the back of her head. When Craig and Mary never returned, his friends actually took the information that they had to the police. And that's when the police showed up to question Charlene. After questioning Charlene, um, Gerald decided to go back to get Craig's body to, you know, try to hide it. But when they showed up, they realized that the body wasn't there. So that means that the um, the cops had already found it. The cops got a search warrant because after they questioned Charlene, um, basically everything that she was going about, she said that they took one car, but then the police were already watching it. For some reason, they realized that the car was already there. They had proof that the car was there the whole time, so they know they didn't take the car. Anyways, like... Her story didn't add up, so they went back. They got a search warrant to chart, to you know, to search their apartment. See, that was her chance to like mm -hmm. let it all out. Exactly, because he ran. From what I read, when they showed up at her parents' house, the cops were there waiting for them, and he ran and hid. And she was stuck questioning, like answering the cops. Girl, you should have said everything right then and there. Like. Mm. <laughs> Like, these are babies. They're still babies. This, yeah. this isn't, like, self-defense type thing. Like, I, stitches get stitches, but at the same time, you, you gotta, like, know your limit. I'm not going to cover for anybody who kills a fucking kid. Yeah. Or a pregnant woman. You know what I mean? A woman, period. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a grown-ass man. Mm -hmm. Um... 
anyways, they got the search warrant. They found a lot of evidence, like the shell casings and some tools that, um, that matched the other bodies. They found the shell casings that matched uh, Craig's body, because I'm not sure if they already found Mary's body at this point yet or not. Um, Charlene and Gerald actually took off, and they was... And as always, Charlene called daddy for help. They asked her parents for them to send some money so that they could leave town. Her daddy agrees to send them some money and he sends the money to Western Union. But when Charlene and Gerald actually showed up to the Western Union, they were met by the FBI uh -huh. because her parents called the FBI and told the FBI what oh, was going on. Good job, parents. Yeah. Like, they covered for their daughter a lot, but then it was finally like, no, like, no, this like, is serious. You, no, you... <laughs> you let this happen, I can't cover for you. Yeah. Like, this is this has gone way too far. Um, the show casings match Craig's body. Craig's friends actually identified um, Gerald as the guy that they seen Craig and Mary get in the car with. There was um, a funding shortage, so the state couldn't start a trial for Gerald. But the public actually came up with $28,000 to prosecute Gerald. <laughs> Love it. Like, the whole yeah. town was like, let's fucking put our money together to get him. <laughs> um, January 17, 1981, Charlene gave birth to Gerald. Um, what comes after a junior? It would be the second. Okay, so she gave birth to, because everything that I read jumped back, it kept saying Gerald Jr., but if his dad was the senior, that would make him the junior, which makes his son yeah, the second, right? Um, she ends up giving birth to a little boy, and she named him after Gerald, so the junior, second, whatever, that's who he is, um, while she was in jail, and she actually gave up her son to her mother. June 21st, 1983, Gerald was sentenced to death for the murder of Craig and Mary within six months of hearings. Uh, November 1983, Charlene took a plea deal where she cooperated with the police that if she would, that she would only do 16 years and eight months and no other states involving the deaths of the victims could come at her with charges of their deaths. And we're going to take another break for our little sponsors. 16 years and 8 months, which is a weird... Oh, yeah. Why 8 months? I don't yeah. understand that. Um, sorry, guys. We just jumped back in. <laughs> um, June 25th, 1984, Gerald was sentenced to death for the deaths of Karen Twiggs and Stacey Ann. Um, so, around this time, this is what I was telling you. Like, This is where my notes get like hella fucking confusing for me. So, if you guys can kind of, like, bear with me here, because my notes are, like, fucking crazy from this point, because everything, and it took me, what, three weeks, almost yeah, a month to freaking yeah, figure this shit out, and I still straight. can't figure it out. Um, so... <laughs> It's a step back in time, just a little bit. Gerald, would, he had kept requesting for appeals, and he did this for so long that um, before he was actually, like, sent to, like, actually, like, for all the devs um, to go to court and everything, he kept requesting appeals to the point that it would postpone his... Postpone? Postpone. Postpone. 
post Malone. <laughs> so it's like you're trying to put like post Malone. Yes. That is all that kept going on my mind. Post Malone. No, yeah, yeah. Post Malone. Um, <laughs> to the point that it was like 14 years. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Gerald, one of the parts. Um, <laughs> for Stacy Ann and Karen Twiggs, um, Charles, he actually decided to file or fire his attorney. lawyer, attorney, public defender, um, one of those, and represent himself. And he failed miserably. <laughs> even he even had the prosecutors question himself. What? Yes. <laughs> Um, so, or, okay, my notes are, like, everywhere. So, for Charlene, Oregon let, actually let California and Nevada deal with the charges, and they actually decided that, like, if the two states could come together with agreements on how they're going to do it, they would agree with the states, and they, that's when they also agreed with the 16 years and eight months. Because she was looking at charges in all three states also. Um, but because, you know, she she's a victim. Um, she only got 16 years and eight months. Um, at one point, Gerald did actually get approved for one of his appeals because a judge had made the comment that if Gerald wasn't convicted of death um, with... I guess in that state or with that certain case or whatever, he would be able to get out on parole, which was the judge's fuck up. And um, Gerald actually won that case or that appeal. But um, this time he tried, when he did that, he actually had a public defender. But unfortunately for Gerald at the same, the for Gerald, uh, the same rope that they found around Stacy, Ann, and Karen's hands were in the back of his car. They questioned Charlene, who told them basically everything, uh, plus the bullets, the shovel, the hammer, everything started adding up. Uh, March 1999, a doctor said that Gerald, because they had him tested, they said that he had PTSD from a rough childhood and receiving head injuries. Mm, excuse me um that actually give him brain damage so i guess like with the the moms the stepdads and stuff like popping him upside the head smacking him around stuff it fucked up whatever part of his brain and it you know um they said that there was a a wrestler that's why he snapped and like he killed his family and himself they said it was like too much stuff to the head yeah that well that's one reason why a lot of um they're changing a lot of the plays and stuff and like football and stuff like that because yeah. there's so many sh they, you can only take so much impact on your brain before you get fucked up <laughs> and to think like he was already getting fucked up at the time he was even six because he was already doing shit at six years old so he was getting beat around you know it's one of those causes like i feel bad for you because you really had no no chance but at the same time it's like you you were 16 years old trying to beat your wives with hammers so you, and you gotta like, know the symptoms if they like to go get help put him 
behind bars and stuff and like yeah just stop don't don't give him like you know the a slap on a wrist just because he's a child that's that's why these kids are fucking bad now beat that ass beat that ass <laughs> spank them i'm sorry spank them don't beat them spank them <laughs> everybody has their opinion on that don't bash me um anyway so yeah, he had really bad brain damage and he had PTSD and stuff like that. Charlene said that she was afraid of Gerald and that she she said that he took her money, um, I guess from like the shopping spree money that daddy would give her and stuff like that, whatever, when she did work and stuff like that. He would take her money. He would threaten her life. He would slam her down if she ever spoke of unsatisfaction or anything like that. During the trial, they broke... Um, Day, which I mean by Gerald and I think it was his attorney, lawyer, public defender, whatever. Um, they broke her down to make her admit that she actually ended up having a sexual relationship with another female while she was an inmate. He also pointed out that she wrote him a note several months into being inside the jail cell, you know, like knowing that they're basically going for life. She wrote him notes months later saying that she was in love with him. Um, and they try to portray her like she was a drug addict. Charlene said, um, okay. so at this point, <laughs> this is what kind of pisses me off about Charlene. Cause like, this is like the end of it. Um, Charlene tried to say that she was. When she was on stand, she said, I'm just trying to help everyone out. And the prosecutors asked her, including yourself, she said no. But then when she said, she said a comment. Um, there are victims who died and there are some who lived. It took me forever to know that I was a victim who lived. Bitch. He killed 10 people, nine of them women, one of them men, and technically, what was it, 10, 11, and technically another one because the one lady was four months pregnant. So he killed an unborn baby. He hurt his own flushing blood daughter, and you still chose to fucking marry the motherfucker because you were scared. understand man all five wives before her were smart enough to get the fuck out within mm -hmm. the first 30 to 60 days of the relationship to marriage I know the one I used to like last 26 days and yeah. were like hell no fuck this shit and this bitch say years years no, they gave you a plea deal to put him in jail, and you took that, and you ran with it, and that's the story you're going to stick with. I get it, but at the same time, these were innocent, young babies. Yeah, especially like the 13 and 14. Yeah, like, all of them were under the yeah. age of 17, except for Craig and Mary, who were in college. And then you had the older woman who was their bartender, she and then the other four. Yeah, and then the twenty-two-something-year-old who yeah, was pregnant, they were, they four months all pregnant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, bitch. Like, I'm sorry. 
don't care. Like, <laughs> it makes me mad. It's disgusting. Uh, if you are willing to hurt a child, um, no. Um, anyway, so Brenda and Sandra's bodies were never found until years later on the side of a highway, but during the trial in the state of Nevada, they actually tied their deaths in. Um, they tied they tied Brenda and Sandra's bodies in with um, two other girls. I didn't write it down, and I feel so bad now because I didn't write down who they put them in with. It's in my note notes, but not on this. So, but the only two that they actually did not get charged, either one of them did not get away with was the very two first ones, or the ones that they did basically get away with. I mean, they did charge them, but they never brought their names up in right. the cases. Um, and that, it kind of pisses me off because that's like the very first victims and they were babies too. Uh, so Charlene did her time and she basically disappeared she did promise the FBI, please, blah, 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 that she would register as a felon, um, which I guess she did do that. She still does not see her son, nothing like that. Um, her mom said that um, she is or was out on parole and that her and her parole officer, I'm sorry, said that she is moving on to positive things in life. I bet you are. Um, her mom said that she moved. She won't give her location. She will never come back to California. So she basically moved on with her life. Uh, Gerald died in prison from inside a, inside of a prison medical facility in 2002. He refused to keep up with extra medication, medical attention to like try to take over. He had a rectal cancer that eventually spread it to his lung and livers and when they try to give him extra you know yeah. help to like fight the cancer and stuff he refused it like he was just like fuck this shit um yeah so he killed all 10 victims 11 if including the baby and I couldn't find anything on Rhonda and, and Kippy as part of the trial but that's them little sick bucks. Okay. My little story, crime story thingies. The Florida man, Rocco, Rocco Joseph Montella. Mantella. Yeah, let's see. Is that an A? Yeah. Mantella? Yeah, let's see Mantella or Montella. Uh, he was an ex-Indiana wrestler. Was arrested April 2018 after multiple calls came in saying that a man was kicking the swans in at the lake. What the fuck? Protect which swans, especially here in Florida, especially Lakeland, um, are considered as protected species. Witnesses say that he would look at, I don't mean to laugh. He would look at them like he would look at the people after he would kick the swans and then he would just laugh. He would go and kick the swans in the heads. He went up there and kicked a sleeping duck. Um, yeah. He was arrested on animal cruelty charges and was granted a $1,000 bond. 
Uh, he just stuck the <laughs> He he said he was practicing practicing his karate or something like that. Like a swan and a sleeping duck. What the fuck did that duck do? So what what are you going up there to like beat up homeless people? I'm confused. Wow. Like I'm just saying, like homeless people, because you know, every time I see a homeless person, most of the time they're sleeping on the side of the road. So you were just go there and just like drop kick them. What who practice <laughs> on a tree? Like I know. Um, Donald Howard was working on a vehicle when police showed up for a pickup warrant for a consent of court. So Donald Donald jumped in his car did a u-turn when they pulled out their guns <laughs> so he was driving and they pulled out their guns and they're like stop da, 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 da. and that's when he hit that <laughs> he did a u-turn and face towards them okay oh shit yeah um i'm sorry this one made me laugh even writing it and that's when he decided that he was going to drive through backyards <laughs> he hit a wooded fence and then he went through the wooded fence and his chain link fence that's when he jumped out because his car like uh crashed <laughs> of course <laughs> the police lost him for a little bit but while they were looking for him he was breaking into homes <laughs> one lady said that he stole her husband's shirt what? and three capri suits <laughs> I love how she opened the fridge and she was like, there's Capri Sun's missing. <laughs> she actually found she actually found the packages leading from the um bedroom out the back door. So he like, like he was like, like he went up there and was just drinking them and dropping them all the way down. Um so and then I don't even know why I understand why he went up there and stole the husband's shirt. And then he took some jewelry. The police found a bag of stuff at his address inside of a grill. Two and a half hours later, 20 deputies, five police, four canines, and a helicopter finally caught him. They said that as the six foot, 225 pound man screamed, Fuck you! As he told them, as they told him to stop. They, they did actually eventually catch him, and when they did catch him, he asked them if he could have some water because crap made him thirsty. <laughs> so, I didn't write it in here, but they said from each house that he was trying to, because he went up to a lot of houses, and the people were home, and they were like, get the fuck out of my yard, what the fuck are you doing? So he would like hurry up and run to the next house. On the way from the lady breaking in the house where he stole the shirt and he drank all the Capri Suns, he was dropping the jewelry. So he was leaving a trail all the way to where he was going. That's how they found it in the fucking grill. <laughs> when they picked him up, they picked him up at the same house that they stopped and they said, hey, we got a, you know, contempt warrant for your arrest. And he turned around and jumped in the car and left. That's where they fucking picked him up at. Bro, so you went like, what, a couple houses down, robbed him all the way to go back home? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even understand. He had um, 28 charges on him. Okay. Okay. Um, 53-year-old Michael Fuller went to Walmart to buy himself a new vacuum cleaner and a microwave. When the total came out to 470 I feel like this would be me. <laughs> like, 
This is sad. When the total came out to 476, he handed the cashier a $1 million bill from the game Monopoly. <laughs> wow. He then proceeded to yell at the cashier to give him his fucking change. The change of $999,524. He was arrested for attempting to obtain property for false residents with a bond of $97,000. And put $97,500. Okay. It, like it literally like when I was writing that and reading that, it reminded me of the time when I went up to fucking the hungry Howie's that I was like, no, I bought this pizza. He was like, yeah, this is what comes on. And I was like, where's the fucking pineapple? And he was like, that don't come with this. And I'm like, well, give me a fucking pineapple pizza. I snapped over a pineapple pizza. I couldn't even show my face in the hungry Howie's for like two weeks. They still hate pizza. me. <laughs> Yeah, I order online now instead of going up there. 